you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. My name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here at Sozo, and we are just absolutely thrilled that y'all decided to come hang out with us this morning. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part. Um, well, this morning, uh, I just want to just warn you, if you're a guest here with us, this morning is going to be a little different. If you're not a guest, I don't need to warn you. Every morning's a little different. Um, uh, we, we have been uh, for the last several months and we'll continue after this Sunday to be in a series where we're studying through the Gospel of John. That's, that's normal for us. That's the, that's the norm. That's the, the regular flow of uh, kind of our uh, life as a church. Um, I'm gonna need some help in this church. We believe the Bible around here. We love the Bible, amen? Uh, and so therefore, we structure our, our, all of our services around God's word. So if you notice, we open with reading God's word together. Our call to worship isn't based on how you feel. Come on, somebody. It's not based on whether or not you think uh, or have even perceived that day or that week or in this season that God is good, but rather we know that his word promises us that he is good. And so therefore we worship. So we call ourselves to worship through the word. We, we worship when, as we uh, pull songs, as we look as a worship team, as worship members uh, for, for music to sing together. We look for things that are, are rich in God's word, that quote the scriptures to us. We, we typically in our, in our preaching will study through books or large passages of the Bible together. That's the norm around here because we love the word. Amen. And without denying any of that, <laughs> this morning is going to be a little different. Uh, we've been in this series in the Gospel of John looking at, at the life of, and ministry of Jesus and his earthly ministry here. Uh, we just wrapped up last week chapter 3 of, of the Gospel of John. And I'm very excited to get us into uh, chapter 4 and on through the rest of the book. And, and yet this, this week... Uh, as I was just going about my normal day, uh, in fact, I was, I was just kind of preparing dinner, picking up the house a little bit. I was doing the run around, get the kids to everywhere they need to go. We're in the fun phase of life in the Blair House where we have three kids in three different schools with three completely different schedules. So it's super fun. Um, I, I think I'm just gonna invest in Uber and get them all the app and tell them, get yourself where you need to go um, so I can see my wife occasionally. Uh, my son's in the front row like, yeah, that'd be fine. That's cool. I'm good with just taking Ubers everywhere. Um, so, so we're running around and all of a sudden, I'm just kind of going throughout my day. Have you ever had this? And all of a sudden the Lord speaks to me. I'm just kind of minding my own business, trying to get stuff done. And all of a sudden, he sort of intervenes, steps in, and uh, I, I begin to hear something. And I very quickly realized that this was not only for me, though I certainly take personal uh, uh, ownership of this as well, but I, I really feel like it's for our church. And specifically, let me say this, I feel like we, that we, we, we're in a season in our study through John where this is vitally important to us moving forward. 
as we study out through the rest of the, of the book of John, I think grasping this word for us is going to be of immense importance. So uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're still gonna read the word, amen? amen. Everything's gonna come out of the word this morning, but uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna just turn our attentions not to the book of John, but if you've got a book or a phone with the Bible on it, uh, you can go to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 14, because all good prophetic messages come out of Isaiah. It's just... It's just the way it goes. Uh, so Isaiah 43, uh, and, and, and as you're doing that, can you just stand for the reading of God's word? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get to Isaiah 43. I just wanna read a few other verses uh, to kind of fill out some context to everything that's gonna be said this morning. The first is, is in Isaiah as well, but 42 verse nine. Um, this I'm sharing for a reason. Uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, about a, well, I think it was about eight weeks ago now, six or eight weeks ago, uh, during uh, our Wednesday night prayer, which I have to tell you we're not doing anymore for the summer, Typically, we open up the church Wednesday nights uh, for about an hour, and, and we just open it to, to, for people to come and pray. For the summer, we stopped doing that. But during one of these sessions, this verse was heavy on my heart. It was also heavy on Karen Weddle's heart. And uh, part of this message I didn't realize at the time was actually birthed out of that. So this is Isaiah 42. It says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring up, I tell you of them. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 kind of echoes this same thing on a personal level. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and, it's corrupt, and, it, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's a good verse to say amen to. That's a good verse. Come on, we have true righteousness and true holiness in in Christ. Amen? And then before we get to to, to Isaiah, let's let's read Revelation 4, just so we get all the good prophet stuff. Uh, It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speak to me like a trumpet, said, Catch this, please. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. This. Now let's turn our attention to Isaiah 43, verse 14. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they, may, that they might declare my praises. Let's pray together, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. 
God, we rejoice in the truth, in the steadfastness, in the, in the glory of your word. We, we rejoice that you have chosen to reveal yourself through the word to us, your people. God, we, we celebrate you as we read the word. We, we don't worship the word. We worship the God of the word through the revelation you give us in the word. So we come to you this morning desperate, hungry, excited to hear what it is that you would speak to us, your people. God, we know that you are a good God. And so we come to you with expectation, eagerly awaiting that which we will receive from you today. God, I ask that we would have hearts to receive, feet to walk out in obedience what we hear. God, that we would, we would leave this place utterly transformed by your word. God, not, not, not by behavior modification, not by, not by uh, the power of our will and not by the, even the declaration of our mouth, but rather, God, by the power of your spirit alive within us, ever present, never leaving. That your, 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 your presence, your spirit, your goodness would begin to reshape even a little bit more today our hearts to look a little more like yours, that you would reveal to us today the transformation that you've already done that we would walk out the fullness of who you are in us and through us. God, that you might be glorified and the world might know the good that comes when your kingdom is revealed. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, high five a few people real fast and go ahead and grab a seat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, this morning, I'm, I'm just gonna jump right in. Um, and skip all of the fancy preacher fanfare and just get right to what we're supposed to do this morning. I want to talk to you under the title, under the heading, uh, new, just the new. I know, super creative after all those verses we read. How'd you come up with that one, Mark? I know. It's just years and years of preacher school. Um, new. Talked about new. Now, now, before I can get to what I feel like the Lord has given me for us as a house, I want to just kind of framework this a little bit here and, and explain that uh, typically for me, when it comes to the way that God speaks prophetically to me and through me, it's still always grounded in the word. This is typical for me. If I, if I feel like God's giving me something prophetic, it typically comes out of a scripture. And let me help you with that because I, I think that's the safest way. I'm gonna just use that word carefully here. Safest way to move prophetically. We believe as a church, let me just be super clear, that God still speaks to and through his people today. Okay, we believe that. That, does, that what he speaks today never contradicts, denies, or adds to, come on, what he spoke here. But it illuminates, it clarifies, it guides, it directs. It brings, what I, what I like to say it is it brings an emphasis to something. And so here's what I'm trying to pastor us as I prophesy to us here a little bit. So, so, one of the things that I, I feel like needs to be done when, when we do kind of prophesy out of Scripture, can I use that phrase? Does that make sense? We prophesy out of Scripture, is we need to make sure that what we say God is saying out of Scripture is in line with what he said in Scripture. This isn't like pick your favorite verse that sounds good and just use it to prophesy. That'll get you on TV, but it won't get, never mind. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm watching it. Um, so let me, just, let me just give us a, a quick overview of this passage, just so we kind of get a framework for where we are. 
I don't have time to teach us the passage and then prophesy the passage. So, so I've got to kind of, it's sort of like one of my favorite things that my wife and I do every year is we get to go to Portland for our, uh, our, our pastor's conference, for MFI, for the pastor's conference. We get to do that. We, we choose to drive every year. We could fly down, but, but I love that time together, that drive down there. And it's gotten to the point where I don't, I don't really have to think about how to get there anymore. I've driven there enough. And, and, and so when somebody asks, like, what route do you take to get here? I'm like, well, we go like down to Tri-Cities, then down by the river, then to the Dales, and then like up into Portland. That's the kind of directions I'm gonna give us for this uh, passage. I'm not gonna be able to get into every twist and turn in detail, okay? But just give us the, the basic overall uh, uh, lay of the land here. And so just quickly, this, this is an Old Testament, an Old Covenant passage written by a prophet uh, named Isaiah. We can get into, if you're a scholarly kind of person, we can get into like who wrote this book. I'd love to talk to that. Don't have time today. Uh, but Isaiah, but here's what you need to know about God's people. At this point in the history of Israel, God's people are in exile. They're not living in the land that God promised them under the rulership of their own people, but rather they are in Babylon, sent there, catch this, by God because of their rejection of him and rebellion against his ways. He had prophesied to them. I mean, even, even in this same book in Isaiah, and mostly chapters one through about 27, 28, uh, he's, he's warning them. He's saying, listen, listen, judgment is coming. If you don't repent, if you don't turn, I'm gonna send you away. I'm gonna bring in another nation. And they don't, and so he does. And he sends them, he sends them away. And they are, they are sent there. In his love, he brings this judgment. Many of the people alive now uh, don't even know of what it was like to live in the land of promise. They've grown up their whole lives living under this hostile system where every aspect and element of their life is contrary to what their parents are telling them their lives ought to be like. The culture, the religion, the politics, even the food is against the way they're supposed to live. And so they're stuck there. And, and this passage then is amazing to me. It starts, as, as we look at this, this passage, as we look at kind of the lay of how it all plays out, and as, as God begins to speak now to a people not living out the, their best life now, come on, but living out a life in, in struggle and turmoil, trying to figure out do we, how much do we engage, come on, with where we are and how much do we refrain and, and abstain from where we are. And God begins to speak to them. And, and, and it's interesting to me that it starts with a fresh revelation of God. He doesn't start, hear me please, he doesn't start with, I'm, real, I'm so sorry that you're in this situation. He doesn't start with, man, it's really a bummer that you've gone through all of this hard stuff. He doesn't start with, you deserve this, you stink, I don't like you anymore, and you smell funny. No, he starts with, here's who I am. Come on, church, we are a church that believes in big God theology. Come on, we, we serve a big God, amen? We, we believe in here that we ought to keep God at the center of everything that he's the point of all of this. Listen, listen I, I thank you when I come up here every week that you're here, but listen, we're gonna be here whether you're, you are or not. Our, our, our primary gauge of success is not how many butts are in seats and how many bucks get put in the offering. Okay, that's not the primary way we, we live. We don't live, listen, we love that you're here, amen? Come on, leaders especially, do we love that they're here? Okay, we love that you're here, but we gather for him. Come on, we exalt and we magnify him. 
We, we elevate and make much of him. We understand that this whole thing is his story and we get to play a part in it, but it's his story. It's, it's all about who? Come on, it's all about Jesus. We give all the glory and all the honor and all the praise to him. And so it starts, this, this whole word to Israel starts with, I am the Lord. Now you'll notice the Lord, if you, if you looked in, in a printed version, you'll notice that Lord is capitalized. That's because he used his proper name, Yahweh. He's introducing, he's reintroducing himself. I think about it this way. He's reminding those who knew him and know him, and he's sort of introducing himself to maybe some that don't, that have only heard stories, that have only been acquainted with them at a distance. But, but what's, what's cool to me is as you, as you go through this passage, what you find is that, that the, this, this new view, this new view of God is actually meant to give them a new view of themselves. He ties his identity to their identity. He says, I am your king. He's telling them, listen, you, I have not abdicated my throne. I'm still ruling and reigning. I know you're in another land and I know you're in another place and I know you're maybe uncomfortable and you might think I've just sort of abandoned you, but you are still my people. This is, this is great for us to understand because just like them, we are a people within a people. Listen, I love the fact that I get to live in America. I love this, I love this nation. It's a, it's a greatness. I've been to lots of other places and I would rather live here than anywhere. But I am not first a citizen of America. I am first a citizen of the kingdom. My first priority, my, my ultimate allegiance, my, my, greatest, my greatest alignment is not with the kingdoms of this world, but rather the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And truth be told, I'm actually at work trying to get the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Hello, somebody. His, his revealing himself to them is, is, is a first step to produce a new revelation of themselves in him. They are his people. And he's, he, he tells them, he informs them that he's still at work. Might not seem like it, but he's still at work. And because he has not changed, because he has not abdicated his throne, he's still working the same way he's always working, for, his, for our good and his glory. How awesome is it, come on, that we serve a God that doesn't have to pick? How many of you, like me, were raised thinking God had to pick? <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. Maybe you didn't think God had to pick, but you thought you had to pick. Either I have to live my life for my good or for God's glory. But no, God works for both simultaneously and calls us to engage in the same process. We see this specifically in, in verses 14 where he says, I'm doing all of this for your sake. And then in verse 21, he says, I'm doing all of this so that you can declare my praises. So God has this capacity to, do, to be at work for both our good and his glory. And that's a good thing, amen? And, and then finally, he sort of instructs them, lets them know like all of this that I'm doing, all of this that I'm working, all this good for you and glory for me will ultimately result in your release, in your restoration, but it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. It's not going to, to, to play out like you expect it to play out. 
He sort of references, if you, if you catch it, he references the way he delivered them when they were in, in, in Egypt in the book of Exodus. If you've kind of read the Bible a little bit, if you've been around church, you might be familiar with the, the Exodus. If not, maybe you saw Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, the movies. That's about this story where God's people were previously in bondage to the nation of Egypt. And God delivered them out of there. So he references that, the parting of the Red Sea. He says, I make a path in the sea, a a, a way for you to get out through this ocean of water, this mighty waters, and yet you walk through, but I I slam it down and, and destroy their chariots and the armies that chase you. I just quench them out like a wick. And then he says, it's interesting. He says, that's who I am. That's what I do. But don't think about that. Realize that that's still who I am. Come on, somebody. But that doesn't mean that's, that's how I'm gonna do it this time. So this is gonna, you're gonna be delivered, but it's, it's not gonna happen the way you think it's gonna happen. So with all of that, I wanna sort of shift gears now. Now that you've got sort of the, the landmarks, right? You know how to get to, through the passage and navigate through it. I encourage you, some homework, study out the passage for yourself. There's a lot of amazing stuff here that I don't get the opportunity to, to dig into, but... Out of this, I want to try to draw what I feel like as much as I can in the next 20 minutes or so, draw out for us what I feel God is speaking to us as a people. And it's not complicated and it's not flashy and I want to do this with absolutely no hype and absolutely no uh, pizzazz or, or anything like that. I just feel very simply that God is doing a new thing in us. That God is doing a new thing in us. And I have, to, I have to clarify this statement here for us a little bit. God is doing a new thing in us. This is different than God doing the next thing in us. See, if God was just doing the next thing in us, hear me, he wouldn't have to tell us that. <laughs> Right, like, like you, don't have, you, you don't need a prophetic word to go from one thing to the next thing. That's just gonna happen. That's just gonna, if we just keep existing, this is what I'm trying to teach us. If we're just gonna keep existing, we'll go from this thing to the next thing. And what the Lord's trying to speak to us, I believe, is that I don't want you to go from this thing to the next thing. I want you to go from this thing to a new thing. Can you catch the difference in that? I know it's, it seems maybe like it's splitting hairs, but, but I think it's actually an important distinction. What, what I'm saying is, is as we move into whatever this new thing is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to this in a moment, it might not look like the natural, organic, logical progression of where we are now. It, it might not look like anything we would expect it to look like. And that's why, in fact, he's prophetically speaking to us now so that, we can, so that we can respond correctly. So God is, is, is doing a new thing in us. And this, this, is, this is part of where uh, uh, prophesying as a pastor can be dangerous, but also good. In that I'm saying this, I, I'm saying it prophetically, but I'm saying it already seeing evidence of it. I, I've been getting... I wouldn't say inundated, but regular communication from several of you talking about how as we studied out in John chapter three, this whole idea of new birth, new creation, of being transformed by him, of being, of being made new, that that's actually taking place in your hearts and lives. You're actually beginning to walk out your, your identity as, as a son of God because of the son of God. 
And so you're actually beginning to walk this out and seeing progress and seeing freedom and transformation and and these things take place. And and so when I say God's doing a new thing in us, I need us to understand that as God makes us new, he is making us new. Here's what I love about that. Some of you got it, some of you didn't get it, and some of you think you got it, but you didn't get it. Some of you think you didn't get it, and you actually got it. As God makes us new, he is making us new. I want to preach like a whole series on that phrase, but I don't have time. So as God is making us new, he's making us new. First way I want you to apply that. As God's making us new, so, so as God, let me replace us with you. As God's making you new, he's making you new. He's not just making you a, a morally improved version of an old you. He's making you new. I've been saying this for a while, but I want to just keep saying it. That, that, that the new creation is not a slightly improved version of the old creation. It's utterly new. We read it in the beginning where it talks about put off your old self, put on your new self, because your new self is made with the righteousness and the holiness of God. How many of y'all realize pre-Jesus, you did not have the righteousness and holiness of God. Some of us proved it better than others, but we all didn't have it. Okay? And so as he's making us new, he's making us new, not just like, hey, I want to kind of upgrade you. This is not, okay, God does not make new things the way Apple makes new things. Okay, this is, this is not just like a little like speed bump, like you get a little bit faster and you're, you don't crash as often. This is an utterly new, new. So that's the first way. But then, then let, me, let me apply it to you this way. As, as God makes us new, he's making us new. Do you get that? As, as he transforms individuals, that, see, here's the problem. We think, okay, so as he does that, he's also doing this. No, as he transforms us individually, that is him transforming us corporately. See, this is one of the things that we, we just believe around here very strongly. We believe that, that listen, that, that the point is Jesus, amen? And that he's at work to transform individuals' lives. So we exist as a company of people to promote and to spur you on for your own personal transformation. My hope is not that you think that the services here are better than the services somewhere else. See, that's a lie. I'm going to talk to pastors that aren't even here. That's a lie that we as pastors bought into from the world. That said, our goal has to be to have the best services possible. I went for like the third of you who were here when the service started, <laughs> you think we didn't notice, but we did. We don't worry about stuff like mics not working and verses not popping on the screen. We don't, we will, listen, we will have a staff meeting on Tuesday. We will talk about the service and that won't even get brought up. It won't. Because that's not the point. The point is not like, well, you know, we'd get more butts in seats if we were a little more polished. We don't care. We're mandated to reach this city and we want to reach as many of them as, as the Lord will give us grace to, amen? But, but, but creating a service that's attractive to those and comfortable to those. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. This is, you're just getting rambling at this point. This is something I've been thinking about lately. We, we try so much as pastors and leaders to like, how can we make people feel comfortable? But I'm gonna be honest with you. When I first came to Christ, I was really uncomfortable at that service. And I'm glad nobody tried to make me feel comfortable in that moment. Because I needed to feel very uncomfortable. Because I was doing stuff and celebrating, having parties for stuff that I should have been ashamed of. 
That'll preach this weekend, but that's a separate thing. So as he's making us new, right? As he's making individuals new, he's making us new. So, so really, when I'm preaching up here, I'm trying to get you as an individual to engage in the new thing that God's doing in you. That's the means by which he makes us new. So, so let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. The, the, the purpose of personal transformation is to proclaim, proceed, and produce congregational reformation. That as you are changed, you are changed. As you become new, we become new. But here's the really cool part. It doesn't stop there. So, so let me read that again. The purpose of personal transformation is to proclaim proceed and produce. So, so it lets us know, hey, this is what I'm telling you now. I'm starting to hear from some of y'all, hey, new stuff's happening in my life. I'm, I'm different than I used to be. Not just in my behavior, my desires are starting to shift. Like I'm liking stuff I used to not like and I'm hating stuff I used to not hate. That tells me that's, that's preceding. It's proclaiming and proceeding a congregational transformation that's beginning to take place here. And it actually is the means that produces. So, so the purpose of personal transformation is to proclaim, proceed, and produce congregational reformation. Got it? Here's the cool part. The purpose of, of congregational reformation is to proclaim, proceed, and produce global reclamation. So, as, so, so, so I said this, as, as, as God is making us new, he's making us new. As God is making us new, he's making us new. We, we touched on this last week that, 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 that creation is actually transformed when God's people actually begin to walk out as God's people. When we begin to walk out as our, our sonship, the world actually is transformed, is reclaimed. It reclaims its rightful divine design purpose. Because this planet was designed to house the glory of God held in the sons of God as his image bearers. That's its purpose. And without that, then the world literally is subjected to futility, the, test, the New Testament tells us. It's just wasting its time. As gorgeous as the mountains are, as beautiful as the trees are, they're there so that we can see him and then reflect him. So if we aren't reflecting him, then they're wasting their time. Kind of like some of y'all in video games, but that's another thing we can talk about later. So our corporate gathering is meant to be an expression of our private, personal, closet, secret time relationship we have with him. Okay. So, so now we need to, I want to sort of try to not make this just hype and try to talk to us a little bit about what I feel like this new thing is. And, and I feel like there's, there's two, two aspects to this that I feel are important for us. There's the personal aspect and there's the corporate aspect. And, and on a personal level, I feel like the new has to do specifically with God sovereignly moving to bring about personal victory in people's lives. I, I'm, I make no... I'm under no delusion that just because y'all are here on Sunday, that Monday through Saturday, you're just like living a nonstop Holy Ghost party. Um, I'm, I, I'm not under any sort of delusion that, 
that life here in, on Sunday mornings is a perfect reflection of what your life is outside of here. I, I, I know that some of y'all, listen, some of y'all are, are under sinfulness and some of y'all are under brokenness. And, I, and I, I don't have time to make too much of a distinction about that, but let me suffice to say, some of y'all, <laughs> just, I don't got time to be nice. Some of y'all just suck at life and so things get hard. And some of y'all are surrounded by people who suck at life, and so your life is hard. Okay, um, I love you. I just don't have time to be nice this morning. Um, it, that's, that's my definition of the difference between sinfulness and brokenness. Okay, the, some of us are, are, are walking out, come on, in rebellion to God still. And there are areas of our life, listen, that we don't want to be but we yet still can't seem to find a way out of that behavior, out of that mindset, out of that thinking. We, we, we swear every Sunday we're never gonna do it again. But then like before you're in your car, you're thinking about doing it again. Some of y'all are, 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 are just in situations where either because of, of the continued uh, 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 unfolding of the kingdom of God that has not come out to fulfillment yet, we're still in a, in a partially broken world, so there's just busted, broken stuff in you. Busted, broken stuff around you, and so you're still walking through that, and you haven't found the way to, like Jesus spoke to John, come up here, <laughs> get above all that broken stuff. Some of y'all have addictions and, and habits and hangups and, 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 and struggles and frustrations. Some of you are just in this constant cycle of sometimes you're doing really great with God and sometimes not so much. Sometimes he feels really close and sometimes he feels like Plato said, he's like a million miles away behind some un, unpenetrable veil, which by the way is not in the scriptures. And I feel like the Lord wants to bring deliverance victory over that because I need you to hear this right now. All that stuff I talked about, addiction, habits, hangups, whatever, whatever it might be, even, even, hear me please, even having your life controlled or affected by anything outside the sovereignty of God, all of that, hear me right now, is not normal for Christians. That is meant as zero condemnation and 100% liberation. That's not me up here trying to beat you up if you have an addiction that you're trying to beat. I'm trying to tell you, don't let your history of walking in addiction make you think that's normal. Because as soon as it, listen, as soon as it becomes normal, you stop seeking God for deliverance from it. Well, this is just the way it is. It's just a struggle I'm gonna be in. This is just my lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's my life. That's not normal for believers. This is part of what we've been trying to get to in John, where, where, where you are born again, you are made new, not just improved old, but new. And one of the things that I think is so exciting about being a believer is just getting to explore what's this new life like? It's new. It's upgrade, it's different. It's utterly and totally different to the point at which the New Testament says you were dead before and you're alive now. So stop equating symptoms of death with new life. He's making us new, personally, victoriously new. The Bible tells us he sets us free 
And why he sets us free, this is super profound, is so you can be free. No, 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 you don't understand. You hear that and go, yeah, he set me free now so I can be free in heaven. No, he set you free now so you can be free now. How many of you think you are going to be struggling with whatever you're struggling with now post-death when you live in some ethereal heaven place? How many of you think you're gonna still be struggling with it? So why are you struggling with it now? Because you believe that God is a million miles away, hidden behind a veil, and the only place you find that is in the Greek philosophies of Plato. You don't find it in here. Here you find a God who steps into our circumstances, who is here with us, who promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. And you say, well, I don't see Jesus. You're right, you don't see Jesus. He told you it'd be better if he left and put his spirit within you than if he stayed here physically. Don't have time to get into that. Want to, don't have time. So this is more than, than though for just you. This is, this is the part of that he makes us new, so he makes us new, so he makes us new. Sounds like I'm speaking another language, but I, it's not tongues. It's just, maybe it is, who knows. Um, as he sets you free, hear me, he's not just setting you free for you to be free, but as you begin to walk in freedom, more and more each day, as your goal is to live closer to Jesus tomorrow or today than you did yesterday, closer tomorrow than you do today. When that becomes, that's the focus, that's it. Not how many days can I go without fighting with my spouse, looking at pornography, buying crap I don't need, getting angry at people on the freeway. That stops being my focus and just being close to him becomes my focus. You know what's funny? As your, as your sole purpose becomes be close to him, your marriage gets better, your addictions fall off, you stop wasting money on crap you don't need, and you... I'm still waiting for it, but you aren't as angry on the freeway as you used to be. <laughs> or for me at Trader Joe's on a Saturday, why did I go? Why did I go? I knew it would be what it was like. And it's like, why am I here? And why don't they make these stores four times bigger? You know, the parking lots are too small and the stores make the parking lots look too big. So um, thanks for that. Uh, so as he sets us free, I believe grace comes onto us to all walk in freedom. And as we all begin to walk in freedom, the world begins to see what it looks like for sons to walk in freedom. And creation and culture are actually renewed and reclaimed for the purpose for which they were created, which is to glorify and honor God, amen? amen. And I believe that, that in this, he is, he is setting us free. And this is the word I heard, and I'm just gonna say it, and we can talk about it if you need us to later. I believe he's setting us free because he wants to make this a house of freedom. So that, so that, so listen, so that as people come into contact with, with us, and I don't just mean when you invite your friends here on Sunday mornings, hope you do that, that's great. But I mean, as you just walk around in your daily life, people find the freedom they need because you're not only a, listen, you're not only a holder of it, you're a handler of it. On a corporate level, I feel that the new specifically has to do with the transformation of two things, the atmosphere of our city and specific areas of our city. And, and here's, here's the thing. I don't know exactly how all this plays out. This is, the, this is the super exciting part about actually walking out what we say as elders where Jesus is in charge of this church. It makes me look like an idiot a lot. Because I don't get to stand up here and just go like, I know everything we're gonna do for the next 25 years. No, I don't. 
tell you the truth, I know we're gonna keep studying through the Gospel of John as long as that takes. After that, not really sure. But I have this sense as God begins to speak to us about the new, that congregationally it has to do with taking authority over the atmosphere of our city and specific, and I think he's gonna show us, and I think he's even beginning to show us, areas that he's called us to take authority over in our city so that the atmosphere of our city begins to change and the areas of our city are are beginning to be transformed. City transformation, city transforming power is found in fully surrendered people. I get this from this text actually because he tells them, I'm gonna deliver you, but it's not gonna be like it used to be. It's not gonna be like the last time. Do you remember that part? He says, it's not gonna be like it was the last time. And then he goes on to say, in the last time I led you, listen, through the wilderness to the promised land. That's what he did, right? If, if you went to Bible, or if you went to, to Sunday school, if you grew up in the church, right? Like God delivered them out of Egypt, led them through the wilderness, and then led them to the promised land. But now what he says is, no, now I'm gonna send you into the wilderness and I'm actually going to transform the wilderness because you're there. I'm not gonna leave, I'm not gonna make you into the wilderness and then out of the wilderness. I'm gonna send you into the wilderness, leave you there, <laughs> But then he he describes it. He says, I'm gonna make streams in the wilderness, in the desert. In the desert, there's gonna be rivers. How many of y'all get that if there's rivers in the desert, it ain't a desert anymore? If there's water enough for us to drink and all the wild animals to drink, come on, it's not a desert anymore. See, see, we've gotta stop going like, our city's getting so dark and it's so bad and things are so horrible and I just hope Jesus does that rapture thing soon and start realizing you were left here on purpose for a purpose and that is to transform this city. And as I become new and you become new and we become new, then this city is becoming new. And he's giving us authority to see the transformation of the atmosphere and specific areas in this city that I feel like in the next, we're gonna target specifically and begin to see transformation in those areas, amen? The wilderness is gonna be transformed by the presence of God, him in us is going to change the city. Amen? There's the prophetic word. So here's the big question in my last two minutes. Only have two minutes. Who, who will give me like five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. That's hor- Don't laugh at that joke. It's the worst preacher joke I know. Really is. Okay, so, so what, what should we do with this? What, so, so we hear a prophetic word. Do we amen and hoop and holler and then go home? Yeah, I hope you hoop and holler, and I hope you go home. But, I mean, y'all can stay here as long as you want. It's fine. I don't have to lock up. Um, <laughs> that's mean. First, let me say this. First, let me say this. Before I get, I, I feel like there's three, I feel like God gave me three things specifically for us. But, but let me say this first, because just in, in this moment, I feel like I need, this needs to be said. The first thing I would ask you to do is, is to pray for and trust your elders, if this word is, is true, if this word comes to be true, Coca-Cola proved to us that not everybody likes new. Okay, anybody old enough to remember that, right? Like new Coke ain't around anymore, right? Because they went back to old Coke, right? Like pray for us and trust us. If the Lord is really gonna do something new, then we, we, want to, we want to walk in wisdom and we want to walk in grace, but we want to walk even more than in, in wisdom and in, in, in grace. We want to walk in obedience. 
So if he's calling us to do, we're just gonna do it. So pray for us and trust us. So now, now getting on to what we, what we should do here. Um, so so our, our response, right? Our response, what, what do we do? Uh, first, I feel like we need to welcome the new. Welcome, welcome the new. We need to welcome it. I get this again from the text. He, he says in here, behold, right? Behold, behold, I do a new thing. Behold is literally in Hebrew, him trying to get your attention. Like see this. He wants us to see what he's about to do. God desires us to, to see it. He's not, just, he's not just telling us it, but God desires to reveal to, this to us now. Again, partially because if it was just the next thing, he wouldn't have to, but because it's a new thing, he needs to so that we can get in line with that new thing and not just think we're gonna go on to the next thing. But also, I think there's, 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 there's more to it than that. I think when I say welcome it, I mean recognize it as an, as an act of his power and his purpose. So whatever new thing he's doing, if it makes you uncomfortable, if it makes me uncomfortable, if it rearranges stuff or it deletes something that you like or adds something you don't, Realize, okay, this is God at work in his power and for his purpose. Again, Jesus is king. This ain't Burger King. It's not your way right away. Okay, this is, he is in charge, he rules, and he reigns. So when I say welcome it, when I say, when I say welcome the new, I mean recognize it as an act of his power and his purpose. I mean receive it as our part in his plan. Remember, who, who's this all about? Jesus. It's all, it's all about Jesus. We get to play a role in it, and we find honor in the part that we get to play. It's not burdensome. His, his commandments are not burdensome to us, amen? It's an honor that we get to do this. And here's the big one. Rejoice over it now as an act of prophetic praise. Rejoice over it now. I, I, again, I, all I'm seeing is, is little pictures here, but I, I get the sense that this is gonna even change the way we worship. And I don't, I don't even just mean like the way it sounds. I mean the way we worship. That the way we worship might not look the same as the way we worship now which I know that bugs people, but sort of in the business of bugging people. I think that's part of a preacher's job. Uh, the next thing we have to be careful of is don't compare the new to the old. The new will not be like the old. So, so here's, here's, here's why I think this is important. Expecting the new to be like the old is what stops us from praising God for the new. Because we, well, I just like it the way it used to be. I just like, I, I like old Coke. Why do they have to make new Coke? I, I like, I like, I like, I like my safety, my security, my blanket. <laughs> like, don't, don't move my cheese. God references, this is, this is incredibly, he references Exodus and then immediately says, don't think about that. Well, why is he doing that? He's trying to say, look, I can deliver you and I'm going to deliver you. I did it before, but don't think that I'm gonna do it the way I did it before. Because it's, it's a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I've told you I'm doing this new thing, but y'all keep looking for the way I'm gonna do the old thing. So, 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 so don't compare the old and the new, amen? And then he, this, this I, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I might take next week and talk nothing but about this next point because I don't have time to unpack it the way I think. I honestly think we need this unpacked. Think legacy. Think legacy. So, so here's, here's, what, here's what I mean by that. that. That 
prophecy, or, or as I put it here, new is more about legacy and less about destiny. This is probably the number one thing that God's been speaking to personally to me about over the last six months, maybe eight, nine months, that is changing the way I think, changing the way I pastor, changing the way I even raise my kids and interact with my wife and do everything. Here, here's what I mean. When I, was, when I was younger and I got a prophetic word, I'll be, I'll be honest, and I don't say this in any way to brag, there was a season in my life where I hated going to conferences, prayer meetings, and church services because I got called out and prophesied over every stinking time. And I blame part of it, just total transparency, on the fact that I was, you know, 17, 18-year-olds going to youth things, and I was six foot two, and it was just easy to go, you, tall guy. It was just simple. But when I would get prophesied, I would get excited about how God was going to fulfill that as part of my destiny. And here's what I'm learning. That God is actually trying to get to his people something that is so much better than destiny. It's something called legacy. We exist. I want to be real, real clear. And I don't want to be any meaner than I have to be. But I want y'all to stop for a second and look, I'm serious, right now, look around this room. Look at the room, not the people. The people are great, y'all are wonderful, you're beautiful, you're fantastic. Okay? This building exists for us to gather in and to be used as a center to, to, to worship in and to see you equipped in and to see you set free in, to, and to gather people from our city and be a blessing to our neighborhood, all of it. Because there was a generation of people who lived and died and wanted to leave something for somebody after them. And if you think that, that, that their financial struggles were less real than yours, y'all bumped your head. No, because they cared about something. And it wasn't just their own destiny, but it was what legacy are we leaving for our kids, come on, and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Because listen to me, you're, you're, oh, I don't have time. Bad thinking about how God is working in the earth makes us think we don't have to think about tomorrow. Because well, it's so bad now, Jesus must be about ready to do that rapture thing. No! But if we actually stop and think, our kids, our grandkids, come on, our great-grandkids are gonna be the worship leaders and the preachers and the elders and the members of this house, and what in the flip are we leaving for them? Spiritually, financially, physically, what legacy? When we hear a word about new, do we go, cool, God, what are you gonna do for us in fulfilling that new? Or do we say, God, you're gonna do something new. It might not be, it might be in 10 days or in 10 months or 10 years or 10 decades, but we wanna align ourselves to prepare for that new. Whatever it might look like. We don't even know, but whatever it might look like, we're gonna align ourselves with that. We're gonna position ourselves to set up. If we don't get to see the new, our kids are gonna get to see the new. If our kids don't get to see the new, our grandkids are gonna get to see the new. 
They're not, listen to me, I refuse to believe that my kids are gonna have to walk out the same type of church, the same type of Christianity, the same type, the same measure, I'm gonna use that word, the same measure of the kingdom of God that I walk out. They better get to walk out something better. Or else what did we do all this for? But we don't think that way when all we think about is, is destiny. What do I get to do? What benefit does this have to me? Listen, if, if in 10 months, nothing new has happened, are you gonna come up to me and go, what was that, what was the thing about that new? You really missed it on that one. Guess what? I'm gonna pastor this church for another 20, 30, or 40, if I have it my way, my wife hates this. She just told me no. If I have it my way, something really weird's gonna happen at my funeral. That's all I'll say. I have to tell you, I want to preach my own funeral. I want to be so close with the, with, with, with the Holy Spirit by the end of my life that he tells me the day I'm going to die and I can just preach my own funeral, climb in the box and close it and, and just go. <laughs> that's, that's my dream, okay? That's my dream. And I want to still be the lead pastor. I would love it if it was a Sunday because how awesome would that be? Like send out invitations to church. It's like, this is a funeral invitation. I know, it's my funeral. It's going to be great. 140 years old and just go be with Jesus. That's all I got the faith for right now is 140. We'll see where I'm at as I get older. You know what? I'm gonna end with this. You wanna know why I wanna live to be 140? I mean, that's not not an exaggeration. I literally wanna live to be 140. I wanna wanna hold my great grandkids. And I I want them to ask me, you mean Christians used to get divorced? They don't do that anymore. You, You mean people used to die from cancer? We lay hands on people with cancer and they get healed. Why, why don't y'all just do that? <laughs> you, mean, you, mean, you mean the world used to be broken and busted and, and it's not anymore. And I want to be able to be a testimony and say, yeah, it used to be. But there were companies of people who laid down their life and cared more about legacy than they did destiny. And they built something, even if they didn't see anything in their own life, they were building for something ahead. And I want to be able to st- stand there or sit there and tell them about it. And I know that makes me sound absolutely flipping nuts. And if you don't come back next week, I totally get it. <laughs> or if you do come back and you just don't tell anybody that ever, I totally get it. My pastor thinks he's going to live to 140. He wants to preach his own funeral. You probably want to find a better church. <laughs> I believe this. God's doing something new. It's not like the old. He's doing something new. Let's stand to our feet. I have no polite, clean, awesome ending to this. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond. And here's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you to respond however he leads you to respond. Because I I got nothing. Just for those of you who are guests with us, here's the way we respond. We're gonna sing. We're gonna set our affection and our attention on Jesus. We're gonna open up the front here for for communion. We believe that that it's important for us to remember the only means by which we are made new is the broken body and the shed blood, the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we celebrate communion when we gather together. 
We take a piece of bread. We also have wafers that don't have gluten. We dip in the juice and we partake. Three stations here are all bread and wafers. We do have a completely gluten-free station on the side. If you have something that makes you unable to eat gluten, number one, we have a station for you. Number two, let us pray for you because gluten is awesome. And we're going to worship. And we're going to open up. We're going to have some people that'll down. You'll notice there's a lit area back behind those chairs there. There's some people there that would love to stand with you and pray with you. Maybe you're going through some stuff and, and you want that new and you want that freedom and you want that victory. And, and I don't care if you've gotten prayed for 37 times before. We're totally fine praying with you for you another time and another time. Come on, the scripture tells us to ask, seek, and knock. It tells us to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. So that's what we do. We'd love to stand with you and pray with you. And in a little bit, somebody will come up and, and lead us in our giving. And we'll close out, but let me just pray for us and encourage you to respond however it is that the Lord would lay on your heart to respond. Be open to whatever he might say. It might look nothing like you're used to responding. It might look practical, it might look spiritual, but let me just pray for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, I thank you that you are a God who never changes and yet is always new. And, and the way you do that is confusing to me. How you constantly stay fresh and new and yet never change, never waver, never deviate from your steadfastness, from your set track. Lord, we're in awe. Lord, I pray right now that you would, you would speak to our hearts however you need to speak to our hearts, that you would speak to us of our part in this new thing, of the way you want to use us and change us in the midst of this new, what role we play as an individual. There are things in our lives, in our hearts, in our thinking that are out of alignment with the new that you desire to do. God, bring alignment. God, bring conviction. Bring correction that we can walk in the way that you would have us walk, live in the way you would have us live in obedience and surrender to you. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Church, let's respond to the Lord.